Once you live in the 716, Buffalo sports is ingrained in your soul. No matter where you are, we always remember the roots that helped us grow. Don't let where you live or the people around you stop you from showing your Buffalo pride. Join us Buffalonians as we talk all things sports in the 716 on the Buffalo Loyal Podcast. Circles the way, like the Buffalo Bills. I'm your host, Nick English, alongside my co-host, Andrew Ogilwich. No matter where we are, no matter the heartbreak, we will always remain Buffalo Loyal. This is the Buffalo Loyal Podcast, coming to you live on a Thursday night. We are one week removed from the Bills' victory over the Bucks on Thursday Night Football. Big game coming up on Sunday night against the Bengals on the road. The Sabres are now 10 games into their season. Uh, we're going to break all that down as well as the trade deadline uh, where the Bills made a move and then brought in a veteran free agent uh, yesterday. But before we get doing that, Andrew, how are you doing, my friend? Doing pretty good, Nick. Doing pretty good. Bills don't look completely dead just yet. Sabres are, uh, you know, playing some hockey, looking pretty decent, having their ups and downs, but uh, no complaints here. Glad to hear. We'll start with Bucks bills Last Thursday night I was there. Um, vibes are really high. Actually had a really good time. Great seats. Uh, almost ended in tragedy if Chris Godwin turned his head in one second sooner and caught a Hail Mary, but – uh, the Bills did escape with a 24-18 win. Um, despite the close score, it kind of felt like the Bills, at least being there, were in control for pretty much the first three quarters of the game. And then they decided to kind of get cute in the fourth quarter, uh, coaching-wise, not going for it a few times on fourth and short um, at around midfield or in Tampa territory. Um, you know, a couple penalties go Tampa's way late in the game um, and just – you know, keeping them in the game when really uh, they should have put it away a lot sooner and should have been a bigger score. But um, overall, I was pretty pleased with the offense. I thought Josh minus, you know, kind of re-aggravating the shoulder. Um, I thought he played pretty well, you know, over 300 yards, couple touchdowns in the air as well as one rushing, uh, spread the ball out a ton. Khalil Shakir, six catches, six targets, uh, Gabe Davis, We've been asking for it. They finally moved him around a little bit. He gets nine catches on 12 targets. A little bit of a quieter night uh, for Diggs, but he's getting doubled a lot, but he still managed to come away with nine catches as well. And then, obviously, another awesome game for Dalton Kincaid. Uh, five catches for 65 yards and a touchdown. Uh, really coming along the last two to three weeks um, and really providing the Bills with a spark they need offensively. Um, and then on defense, I thought, the defensive line didn't uh, get to Baker as much as I would have wanted them to. But um, other than that, I thought Jordan Poyer put together another strong game and they need to get off the field a little bit more on third down. But um, all in all, I was actually pretty uh, impressed with the Bills win uh, despite the close score. And I think the score being closer than it was was more of uh, coaching not being aggressive than it was really um, the Bills not playing well. Yeah, uh, look, I, I think it was uh, a step in the right direction for them. Do I think it 
kind of erases the um, poor performances we've had prior to uh, that Thursday night game. No, not even close. Um, but right. Like it was a hint at what the team could look like. And I think, and Nick, you and I were talking about, it. I think what we saw on Thursday night, was a good depiction of what this team truly is this year, what we're going to get out of this team, right? An offense that can take over a game and be high flying and what kind of we hope it would look like, right? With Josh being, you know, the true Josh um, receivers being there and, and, you know, acting as great weapons that they can be a really solid running game. But on the flip side of that, right can be held back and handicapped by your offensive coordinator, right? You get two chances on the one-yard line, two-yard line, and you run two plays out of shotgun. Like, what? What? That makes no sense. A lot of bizarre play calls, bad timing on things. So I think it's a a very good, above-average offense that has a chance to be really great and just take over games. But there's, you know, those bizarre moments and and – times where they just trip all over themselves then on the defensive side right they are very solid they're going to give you four quarters of pretty solid football Uh, a well-coached team that's going to do everything they can but they're still going to give up long plays here and there and they're going to make some uh, mistakes there but all in all they're going to play really solid fundamental football Um, now is that going to be enough out of this team to go and win a championship this year or hell at this point, figure out a way to win the division. Ah, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. You're going to need some help uh, from other teams around you to kind of make that happen. But all in all, I think this is a top 10 team in the league. Um, it's just, can they remain consistent? That's been the issue this year with this team is, the consistency, right? You blow out a couple teams and then you look absolutely terrible uh, against some teams that you should not look terrible against the ups and downs and ups and downs. And yes, that part of that is attributed to injuries um, and personnel moving around, but just the lack of consistency could be this team's um, Achilles heel this year. So, you know, back to my original point Thursday, I think is a good indication of who they are. And if you're okay with that as a fan, then I think it's going to be a pretty average, a little above average season. If you're not okay with that, then you better strap in and hope Leonard Fournette and uh, some of these other guys, Rasul Douglas, and you know all these other randoms names that have popped up recently can do something to kind of help put you over that top and hope that some of the injured guys can come back. Um, we'll see. I, I just I don't. I'm, I was happy with what I saw. On Thursday, uh, I liked the spreading of the ball. I mean, Khalil Shakir had a hell of a game. Six targets, six uh, receptions for, I think it was just under 100 yards. Yep, 92. Uh, 92 yards, right? Like you mentioned, Gabe Dave was involved. He got a tutter. Um, Diggs, while he was shut down, still got 70 yards, 12 targets. Dalton Kincaid finally had a nice breakout game. Um, he looked really, really good. I really loved what we got out of out of him and uh you know i think the biggest story there from the offense was josh josh looked back you know looked like uh kind of vintage josh he was running 
The, there was some aggression. There was some excitement. He looked like he enjoyed playing football again. It did not look like he enjoyed playing football any of the games after the Miami game. So it was nice to kind of see that back. And could that be contributed to the shoulder? Possibly. Um, but he uh, he looks pretty good. So we'll see. If they can keep it together and just play sound, fundamental football the way they want to play it, not overthink things, not try to get cutesy, not try to, you know, outcoach and outthink and, you know, be, you know, um, just like hyper about their game plan. Um, I think they have a chance at beating anyone left on their schedule, but any blimp of inconsistency, any wrong move could tank them and could tank their season. So we'll see what team we get week to week, um, which is frustrating, right? You want to be able to have faith that your team is going to be consistent and show up and you know what you're going to get from them each week, but that's just not been the case this year for a number of reasons and who knows what that is, but um, all in all, it was much better than what we've seen in the past few weeks uh, back on Thursday. And, you know, let's hope they can keep building on this momentum um, through a very tough stretch of, of their schedule coming up. Yeah. And this is, this is a really pivotal week for this team. Cause not only yeah. are you going and playing the Bengals who have really dominated you the last couple of times. They're finally getting their footing together. I mean, they mm-hmm. completely manhandled a 49ers defense that is one of the best in the league. Joe Burrow looks fully healthy. You're going into their house. They're four and three. You're five and three. And to go along with that, you have the Dolphins going up against the Chiefs. And, you know, normally you're not rooting for the Chiefs, but this week you are. Because if they win that game and you find a way to beat the Bengals, well, all of a sudden you're right back on top of the AFC East once again. The Ravens, who are 6-2, and two, who are one of the best teams in the AFC, they're playing a tough 5-2 and two Seattle team who just picked up a great addition in Leonard Williams from the Giants at the trade deadline. Um, and then you have the Chargers against the Jets on Monday night. The Chargers can do you some help there to get the Jets back down to 4-4. Four and four. Um, so it's a it's a big week for for the Bills to really go out there, play well, um, and get a win. And it, I want to touch on something that you mentioned before, as far as the inconsistency, especially with Ken Dorsey. I mean, just being at the game, yeah. I mean, the bringing in Latavius Murray, running at the goal line out of the shotgun, you're lining up five yards further than you need to be to get one yard. Uh, very frustrating. I mean. Josh is actually lucky the fourth down play that was incomplete at the goal line to Dalton Kincaid wasn't a 99 yard pick six. Um, just very inconsistent. It feels like every time Murray was coming in, they knew what they were doing. Um, so we'll see what the addition of Leonard Fournette, which we'll touch on um here in a few minutes, does. And then just McDermott again. I mean, some of again last year it was it felt like every time it was fourth and two or fourth and one, we were going for it. Uh, relatively from our 40 yard on our side of the field further. Um, and we didn't see that last week. And it's a weird feeling because normally with the Bills defense, you're fine with the we're going to punt, we have the lead, we're going to rely on our defense to kind of maintain it. But with the injuries to Milano, to Daquan Jones, to Tredavious White, not knowing what these new guys are going to be just yet, I kind of wish McDermott was more aggressive in using his offense as a weapon to extend leads and not always rely 
on a defense while despite it still being very good, not at the same elite level it was the first four weeks due to injury. So um, it's a big week uh, for this team. Before we touch on the Bengals game, they do have three new um, additions to the Bills. We bring in Leonard Fournette, who's going to be on the practice squad. I'd guess he probably gets elevated rather quickly once he gets um, equipped. He's kind of going to be just uh, another Latavius Murray rotating guy who maybe has a little bit more juice and it's also a bigger body even than Murray as scary as that sounds to maybe pick up some younger or littler chunks and it's probably a little bit better out of the backfield um, receiving-wise than Murray. They make a trade for Azul Douglas. Uh, really like that trade. His contract for next year is non-guaranteed, so if it doesn't work, you could always get off of it, but if it does, it's a perfect guy to be opposite of Tredavious White or Christian Benford, uh, depending on Trey's recovery. Um, he's a guy that's a ball hawk. He's not afraid to tackle. He makes a lot of big plays. Um, a lot of people remember him last year in the Bills-Packers game for all the chirping he was doing with Josh um, and Diggs. He talked about it today, just saying that's football. He loved it. And, you know, it's already a squashed beef, um, and there's nothing there. He's just coming in ready to win. We'll see if he even plays this week, but – He's an immediate impact. He's going to start outside Benford once he's ready over Dane Jackson. Um, they decide not to move on from Elam. They keep him. He's actually on IR now as of today. Um, and then they bring in Linval Joseph. Big defensive tackle. Mammoth of a human being. I think it's pretty much an immediate upgrade over your Tim Settle, Puna Ford, maybe even Jordan Phillips. He joined the Eagles last year when they were struggling with their run game. Um, and their numbers were a little bit better once they picked him up and he was on their team that went to the Super Bowl. Um, so I think it's a perfect guy to put right next to Ed. Um, so some nice little subtle moves uh, by Brandon B, and they really didn't give up too much. They actually gained a fifth-round pick because as far as the result Douglas trade goes, it's almost as if you traded Edmonds for him because you're using the comp pick that you got for him anyway to acquire him. Um, so if you want to look at it that way. And then actually another player that I kind of forgot we even had, but it floated across my timeline today that you know it could be a guy maybe that we might I don't know if they'll see him in a game or not but I kind of forgot we have Justin Shorter who uh seems like he's coming back sooner than later from injury and maybe he gets a shot in one of these games who knows but um definitely not disappointed at the deadline you know do you you always wish your team does more maybe you wish you that Brandon B went out and spent a little more and got uh Hopkins or an Adams or uh, Jalen Johnson was a name that the Bills were linked to before Rizul Douglas, um, but it seemed the price a little steep. Um, overall, I think there's some nice additions, specifically Douglas, um, but I'm not sure um, it like tilts the Bills above like every other team. I think, if anything, it kind of just maybe gives them a little bit more stability, more depth, and if one of those players surprises, it's really just a welcomed addition more than anything. Yeah, for sure. I, I think, right, you hit that right on the head. I, these pickups keep them on the path they're on, right? Keeps them on the trajectory, uh, keeps them in the fight, essentially, right? It, it is an a, extra lifeline, uh, allows them to keep going and still stay relevant in this playoff push. I mean, guys, let, let, let's be honest. They have dug themselves into one hell of a hole, Um come the end of the season, like the losses they have to the key teams, right? Two in your division so far. It's just, they could come back to bite them. 
and they are going to have to be super lucky um, and really get some help um, to, to make it into a playoff slot. If they keep kind of being this borderline on the fence type of team. So what these additions are is kind of security of we're still going to stay in the top part of the league and we're still going to stay playoff contenders, um, right? It's not flashy. They aren't sexy pickups, um, but it, it keeps them competitive for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll see if either or really any of these guys end up playing this week. Um, you know, they've only been here for a few days. I mean, I would love to see Razul Douglas play over Dane Jackson, but, um, you know, it seemed like he's picking up the playbook excuse me playbook according to him today during his interview pretty quickly um so we'll see um if they're playing hopefully we'll kind of find out here in the next day or so um but let's uh jump right into it the Bengals, they're doing what they do every year they start slow they're picking it Mm -hmm. up and they look like an incredible team again uh jamar chase is going to be a big problem for this defense um they also have t higgins obviously and tyler boyd um, Joe Mixon in the backfield. Um, their defense, uh, I don't think, is as good as last year, but they still have some really nice players, um, especially on their defensive line. And then obviously Logan Wilson, one of Josh's teammates from Wyoming, is really an anchor for them, um, kind of the captain of their defense. Um, I don't know why, when I think about this game, I feel like it's going one of two ways. I feel like it's going to be a nail-biting, pain-in-the-ass Bills squeak one out. Or it feels like the Bengals are going to blow the doors off of us. Um, And I don't feel like there's going to be a middle ground where it's like a shootout, like Kansas City type playoff game where it's fun. Um, I feel like it's either going to be annoying or we're just going to get killed and it's going to be a long week. Um, I really think it's all going to come down to the first few drives for the Bills offense of how I'm going to gauge how I feel. I mean, last week against Tampa, the quick hurry up pace letting Josh just do his thing, going right down the field. Um, I know they ended up getting a field goal, but um, just the pace, getting it going, the offense looking relevant again, Gabe Davis and Shakir moving all over the field, um, lining up, and then Kincaid emerging, um, not using as much 12 personnel at all because of all the injuries, which I actually like. Um, and then the utilization, hopefully more of James Cook will be something I'm looking out for. Um, but it's going to be a, I think the offense setting the tone early in this game uh, is going to be huge. And if they don't do that and get in a hole early, um, I think it's going to be, be a long, long game uh, for the bills. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think I'm too scorned from what we've seen in prior weeks to believe that they're back. Um, uh, I, I agree with you. I think this is going to be a dog fight. It's going to go back and forth. Um, I just, I don't, I'm, I don't feel very confident at this point. I mean, Cincinnati, like you mentioned, they are playing at a high level right now. Joe Burrow is back to being Joe Burr at this point. He's found his swagger. He's, um, you know, passing for a bunch of yards. He's hitting his receivers. He's, even rushing when need be for a good amount of yards. I think he had like almost 50 yards rushing last week. Um, And their receivers 
are playing at a high level too. Jamar Chase, who is one of the best in the league, had 100 yards last week. T. Higgins is up there with 69 yards. Tyler Boyd is is helping out. Um, there's just there's a lot, and 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 then their running game is very good. I mean, it's uh, Joe Mixon could make it a very miserable day for the Bills defense if the Bills defense is not locked in. We know going into the game it's going to be emotional. There's right all the tiebacks to last year and all of that stuff there are a lot of reasons that this bills team could be distracted on sunday night i wouldn't be surprised if they start off slow you just you got to hope that it's not slow enough that they get too far behind and they're screwed that's the biggest worry is can they keep the slow start to a minimum um and not handicap themselves right off the bat. Um, it's it's worrisome. It, it really is, especially because on offense, Diggs has been the only one who's shown up, right? We only have one game where it looks like Gabe, Gabriel Davis is an actual contributing player to this team. Dalton Kincaid, while he did look good last week, he's still a rookie. He's still trying to figure out his way in the league. They're still trying to figure out how to use him in the league. That's not good. Um, Khalil Shakir, again, had an awesome game last week, but we don't know if they actually want to continue that success for him, right? He has been great anytime he's called upon, but it hasn't been there consistently. Back to that key buzzword of consistency. Um, we'll see. Can the running game take advantage of a, a Bengals defense um, that is fairly uh, – you know, middle of the road when it comes to, to running, to, to rushing. They give up a good amount of rushing yards. Um, granted, they held Christian McCaffrey to only 54 yards last week, but, I mean, that 49ers team is going through some issues themselves. So the opportunities are there for the Bills to take it. It's just can they manage the distraction of going back to Cincinnati against a team that hates you, a fan base that hates you, you hate them, um, and Kenya overcome everything that's stacked against you. I don't know. I don't know. I, because again, I don't know what Bill's team we're going to get. They're usually very good on the road. Josh, I saw a stat. Josh is five and zero on Sunday night games, which is great. Um, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens. I I am nervous. I am very nervous for this game. It, it is one of those games where you need every player to do their one eleven. You cannot take plays off. You cannot. Again, try to get cute, try to overthink things, like just play basic football, you know, run that no huddle. How great did that off did the offense look when they ran the no huddle in that fast paced offense? It was incredible. They were clicking, they looked like 2020, 2022, like though when the offenses were on fire, like that's what that offense looked like uh last week. So it's there for them. To, to be able to win this game, I just – I have my concerns and I've got my doubts, unfortunately. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, the Bengals team is, is very good. They had a rough start, but they're just – they're not showing any signs of quit and they're not showing any signs of being pushovers either. Um, so we'll uh, – I don't know. We'll have to see. Um, I don't know. I, I just I, – I hope – the Bills play a full four quarters. Play a full four quarters, get out of there healthy, live to fight to see next week. Um, I just, 
I don't know. I just I don't like the Bengals at all, and I've got a bad feeling in my stomach about this game. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do um, defensively when they were asking uh, the wide receiving core of the Bengals about the Bills. Tyler Boyd kind of described the Bills as he kind of they knew what was coming and kind of called them predictable. Um, but when you look at like the statistics and the different schemes and blitz packages the Bills have run this year, it actually seems like they've actually been pretty sporadic with what they're doing. So we'll see if that comes to light. Uh, one thing that I did notice at the Bucks game, and I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of go to it moving forward and maybe why they didn't make a move at the linebacking position towards the end of the game and middle of the game of the Bucks, um, you started to see Jordan Poyer kind of float down a little bit more into a linebacking spot and then Taylor Rapp out there behind him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe you start seeing that for how good of a tackler Jordan Poyer is and getting another playmaker like Rap on the field who, you know, just from a player perspective is an obvious upgrade over both Dorian Williams and Tyrell Dotson. Um, so we'll see if McDermott kind of turns to that this week, especially against a elite wide receiving core. Um, so as far as players to watch in this game on the defensive side of the ball, um, I'm going to look at the defensive line to try to get a rebound week here because they were not very good against the Bucks. I mean, they had their moments, but um, the Bills defense is always humming when the pass rush is getting home. Um, specifically, I think Von Miller needs to have a good game. Like last year, the Kansas City game was kind of the game. It's like, oh, my God, this is why we paid Von Miller. The amount of times he came up big play after big play for us. Um, you know, he's been on the field a little bit more. He's been rushing the passer better. Um, it'd be nice to see him get home once or twice along with Leonard Floyd and Greg Rousseau. Um, and just really make Joe Burrow uncomfortable um, and, you know, force them to be a team that they're not on offense. And then from the offense side of the ball, I really just want to see more utilization of James Cook. Like Josh's arm, shoulder, I should say, is still clearly hurt. James Cook ran the ball again great last week. They're still not really involving him out of the backfield as much as they need to. We only had one catch for six yards in a game like this. I know I talked about it in the Patriots game when Cook had three catches for like 50 yards and touchdown and ran the ball decent in that game too. Like he's a young running back, not a lot of tread on the tires. Give him a lot of looks. Like you mentioned with McCaffrey, a lot of him probably getting bottled up was because they were without Trent Williams and were without Debo Samuel. So their whole plan was to just try to take McCaffrey away and let Brock Purdy beat them. And it didn't happen. Um, so I'd like to see James Cook get in the 15 to 20 carry range and then get four to five targets out of the backfield to make Josh not to feel like he has to always bomb it down the field or just pick up little chunks of the yard, keep drives going, keep the offense on the field, um, and especially also allow some time to get off the clock and keep the Bengals offense on the sideline. So those would be the two areas I'm looking at. Score-wise, I kind of feel the same. Um, I want to pick the Bills, but in my heart of hearts, I just can't do it. Um, so I'm going to go uh, Bengals. Oh, let's go 30 to 20 Bengals. All right. Uh, for me on defense, I want to see a lot out of Taylor Rapp, Jordan Poyer, that kind of tandem uh, that we've started to see here recently. To your point, Nick, right, with – the linebacker situation being what it is, they've been called upon to kind of move down a little bit. And 
play the middle of the field instead of back far. And they've kind of stepped up to that um, request and have done a really great job there with the receiver talent that the Bengals have uh, and what we're facing. You're going to need them on top of their game on Sunday night. They're going to have to be able to cut off cutting routes, cut off uh, different things here and there, go for the ball, beat ball hawks, and try to help out. You know the the defensive backs and and, and those guys. You know who maybe get on one on one situations and, and kind of help out there um, because they can. The Bengals offense can burn you down the field uh, if they get going. So really want want to see those two kind of have that nice tandem relationship they've been having in that kind of dime package that we've seen kind of creep in lately on the other side of the ball. I'm going to go with the offensive line. One of my biggest concerns with the Bengals defense and look, they didn't have a good start, but they are slowly starting to come starting to look like the defense that shut the bills down in the playoffs last year. Um, and that's a lot in due in part to their defensive line. They have a very good defensive line when it comes to getting to the quarterback. Um, right. Of course, known scumbag Trey Hendrickson kind of leads the way there on that team. Remember last year, he purposely took a dive at Josh's knee uh, in the DeMar Hamlin game. He's, a known scumbag known for trying to cause injuries, but he's also pretty good at what he does, right? He's always around the ball. We've got Sam Hubbard at defensive end. DJ reader is a tackle BJ Hill, big boy in the middle of that line. Um, so they've got some dogs that can get to the quarterback and cause havoc. Now, lately, the offensive line has been doing much better than when they started, right? Spencer Brown, who has been getting – who, you know, got ridiculed a lot beginning of the season, haven't really heard his name a lot, and that's a good thing, um, right? He is doing his job. He is holding up, for the most part, much better than he was beginning of the game – or beginning of the season. So how can the offensive line hold up against this defensive line – and give Josh more time to find guys that are open to make things happen with his feet, help with the rushing attack um, and try to chip away at the field. When you get the ball and you have an opportunity to take over games, um, we need to see this offense close out games. We have not seen that in a while. It almost didn't happen last week, you know, Thursday night, they had multiple opportunities to finish out. Now that goes towards coaching right how many times do we have fourth and two fourth and short and they punted so that's a coaching thing again back to this offense is really good but can be handicapped by their off uh, by their coaches but the offense needs to be able to put away a game when needed and a lot of that starts with the offensive line can you allow josh the time to do what he needs to do can you allow james cook to break free extend drives you know take up some clock so I want to see that unit have a big day, keep Josh upright, keep the pocket clean and allow them to continue to build on the momentum. They're slowly starting to put together. As far as the score is concerned, man, I'm with you, Nick. I, this feels almost like a must win game at this point, the situation they've put themselves in every game from here on out may be in that must win category. Um, especially with right. Like, Kansas City and the Dolphins playing each other and 
all of that. I just, I don't know that it happens. I think it's going to be an ugly game. I think there's going to be a lot of mistakes on both sides of the ball, both teams. Um, I know I was seeing some experts predicting high scoring game. I just, I don't know if I see that. I, I see a game more like 17 or like 20 to 27. I'll go 20 to 27 um, Bengals at this point. Yeah, and if you want to add to narratives, I was uh, quickly saw an article as we were recording. Uh, apparently, Tyler Board and Jamar Chase just love feeding into the whole narratives of everything because now they're talking about uh, – Apparently, Tyler Boyd said they said they would have beat us. We're here now. And Jamar Chase said it's something crazy to say as far as claiming some of the Bills players said they would have beaten the Bengals in the playoffs last year if the conditions weren't where they were. So Bengals are an all-time team of just going out and grabbing narratives. And, like, you're we're built in Buffalo. Like, you're going to play games in the snow. I don't know how many players were saying that than some of the backups. (laughs) Yeah. I, but I do I do believe the Bills could have beat the Bengals last year if everything else that happened that season didn't happen, right? If they were a little more healthy, if all of this stuff, right? Like, but it is what it is. Move on. Goodness sakes. Uh, we are going to move on to the Sabres. Uh, started off a little slow. Um, finally feels like they found their rhythm offensively, um, just putting points up. Um, they've won three of their last four, including back-to-back wins. Amazing shutout win over the weekend against Colorado, um, and then winning uh, yesterday against uh, Philadelphia on TNT 5-2. to two. They play at home against Philadelphia again uh, tomorrow night on the NHL Network. Um, so it would be a good opportunity for the Sabres to grab another couple points and keep the winning streak going. Um, and yesterday's game definitely was not pretty, but uh, I thought yesterday was actually the perfect example of if the Sabres want to be a playoff team, they have to win games like that because the Sabres were all over the Flyers early. They score on their first shot, and then Carter Hart for Philadelphia gets injured. Their backup comes in, and then the Sabres had like four shots on goal after that all the way through the second period. Um, and Philadelphia was kind of running all around them on the third period, but, uh, Buffalo just took advantage of the few opportunities they had and they were able to capitalize Brandon Byro, who comes right into the lineup, um, replacing Benson with injury and they're keeping Olsen in the press box comes in and gets two goals. Uh, you love to see a guy that from Rochester getting rewarded and he had a really nice preseason as well, but, uh, I mean, yeah, Buffalo gets outshot yesterday, 40-15, to 15 and outhit 22-13, and they still find a way to score five goals on only 15 shots. So um, it's finding a way to win games when you're not playing at 100%, and they found a way to do that yesterday. And then you also saw them over the weekend, as I mentioned before, in the Colorado game, just play a full 60 minutes of hockey, playoff brand hockey, and beat one of the best teams in the NHL right now in the Avalanche, who are seven and two on the year and only had one loss before coming in. So seems like the Sabres are starting to turn it around. UPL has put together back to back great games. 
We'll see if uh, they give Devin Levi the net tomorrow now that he's back healthy or if they're going to ride UPL. Uh, My guess would be um, that they probably ride UPL tomorrow and then Levi gets the game on Saturday of the back-to-back against the Maple Leafs, um, which is also on NHL Network. Uh, We'll see what happens there. Tate Thompson, Rasmus Dahlin continue to play strong. Uh, they did just recall Lucas Rusick from Rochester as we were recording. Um, my guess would be that means Benson might be heading to IR, but um, who knows? Um, and it kind of seems like Victor Olofsson's going to be on his way out here pretty soon if he keeps sitting in the press box. Um, but overall, the last you know four games for the Sabres, even with the loss, to New Jersey, which was just a really weird game. You know, they were in that game against a team that went really far in the playoffs last year and the team you're trying to kind of emulate. Um, so hopefully they can get a win tomorrow. Big game on Saturday against Toronto. But um, it kind of feels like they found the brand of hockey they want to play. Their penalty kill has been awesome. Uh, the only thing that really seems like it's been inconsistent is the power play, which still needs to get fixed. And some games they get a little sloppy with getting the puck out of the zone. Um, Goaltending is obviously always going to be the biggest question mark with this team. But um, overall, I've been really happy with the way they've played the last three to four games. Yeah, I agree. I think they're finally starting to hit their stride. They know who they are, the style of hockey they want to play. Um, they're starting to come to their own, into their own. And I know, Nick, I saw you um, have your concerns about Krebs. I've seen some other commentary about Krebs as well on uh, on Twitter and and some confusion on what's happening with some of the lines and everything. I, I think, you know, same buzzword as the Bills, consistency. Sabres got to find that consistency, right? We're 10 games in, we're 500, five up, five down. There's been some really good things, some really not so great things, some things to work on. Um, I think that'll come. I, I think... I think right now, looking at the standings, they're, again, I know it's 10 games in super early, but they're sitting at fourth right now in the wild card race behind the Islanders, Toronto, and the Lightning. That is pretty good company to sit in. You're in a pretty good spot. Your goal for the next month or so is just hang on, right? Hang on, collect as many points as you can before things really heat up in December. December, January, February is when things really start to turn up and we see what these teams are made of. I think if the if the Sabres can keep playing this exciting brand of hockey where you get a lot of guys involved, the passing is crisp. I, I always come back to this point. I've said it last year. Um, I'll bring it up again. You can tell a team that is good, that is winning, that is, you know, put together well based on their passing. Living in Pittsburgh, I've watched a good share of Penguins hockey the past, you know, however many years I've been here, almost 10 years. Not so much this year and last year, but they have always been a very good team. And I've always been amazed by how good their passing has been. They just know where everyone's going to be two moves from now. The Sabres have shown hints of that. This team has incredible chemistry. You know they love playing together, and they're passionate about what they're doing, and that's evident. If they can continue to pass well, do the small things right, 
the goals are going to come, right? Keep getting the puck on the stick of your playmakers. Keep putting it in front of goaltenders. Defense needs to keep sticking with their assignments, not getting too panicked or pushed back, pushed out of the way. Like, stay aggressive and stay crisp. If they can keep doing that, if you can find ways to steal points from teams that you have no business stealing points from, right? Like the avalanche, that game was an outstanding game that I guarantee you, no one really saw coming out of the Sabres team at this point in the season, but they were able to do that and a convincing win at that. So there is shines of greatness in this team from what we've seen 10 games in. I, I feel very comfortable and confident moving forward that they're just going to keep getting better and feel better and better about the product they're putting on the ice. Um, it's just, it comes down to that consistency. Can you kind of settle in, stop with the ups and downs and looking like a terrible dumpster fire one game, two games later, you're on top of the world beating the third best team in the league. So um, I like what we're seeing. Like you mentioned, Nick, the defense is putting it together much better than we saw last year. UPL has been putting together a really great kind of campaign here while he's been getting a lot of playing time with all the injuries that keep popping up in the goaltending room. So I like what we're seeing. You're getting production of really young players, still hoping for Alex Tuck to kind of pop off a little bit here. Tage is slowly starting to get into his groove and make the highlight plays as well. Um, but I think that'll come with time. If a month from now, we're still saying that, then we've got something to be concerned about. But until we get to that point, I feel pretty good about what we're seeing out of the Sabres. Um, so pretty good. Yeah. And I mean, the other big part of this is just survive until Jack Quinn gets back because yeah. he's going to be a huge boost to this lineup. Cause right now it's nice that they have the players that they can kind of just rotate lines um, and just get production from anywhere. Um, but the thing that does suck is it feels like at least once a game, you're handicapping someone between middle staff, yeah. Paterka, Cousins, because, you know, their lines other than that have just been inconsistent. Like last game, you saw Cousins having to skate with Gergensen and Oposo. The game before that, it was Paterka having to squ- skate with uh, Jostin Olofsson. Like you're just handicapping these guys until Quinn comes yeah. back. And then once you do, you know, maybe it's going to allow Krebs to just go back into that fourth line with Oposo and Gergensen's and kind of fill back into the role he was accustomed to towards the end of last year where everyone kind of fell in love with him. This year, they've kind of hoped for him to take a little bit step up offensively while Quinn's been out, um, and he hasn't done that yet, and that's okay. Um, It's only 10 games in. Usually Thanksgiving is kind of like the benchmark of like, all right, where are you sitting at? around Thanksgiving, are you within like two to four points of a playoff spot? If not, like you got a long way to go. Uh, I think the good thing is the past two years, I felt like this team's really started off slow and gone through long losing stretches and they haven't done that so far this year. So if they can build on this Flyers game from yesterday, pick up another win or two here um, against the Flyers again, and then the Maple Leafs, they're going to be in good shape. And like you said, Andrew, it's only 10 games in. They're only two points back of Montreal, who's third in the division right now. So you can get right back into the top three in the division race and in the wild card if you just put together a couple good games. So um, it's good that Levi's back healthy. Hopefully him and UPL can kind of hold the net down because, you know, sucks again that Comrie plays a couple good games and now he's week to week again. Um, But 
you know, this is kind of what you're asking for when you went in the off season. So uh, we'll see what happens, but um, I think that's pretty much going to do it for today's episode. We appreciate everyone for tuning in uh, each and every week. Be sure to tune in tomorrow night and Saturday for the Sabres and then the bills on Sunday night football. We'll be back early next week to discuss all things Buffalo sports. Thank you all again for listening. It's been the Buffalo Oil Podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. These guys are good. Scary good. What a connection. Allen and Diggs. No one circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills. <laughs>